0: Acts chapter 13. Uh, Paul and his friends have just been commissioned. They are on the first of the missionary journeys. They've been sent out on an adventure with the Holy Spirit. The wind of the Spirit kind of taken him, taking them wherever he blows, and they're following him now on this first missionary journey to a city called Antioch. It's a different Antioch than the one we've been talking about the last few weeks. Well, apparently, there's two of them. They're in vastly different areas in uh, Acts chapter 13, and so we're going to talk about the second Antioch, and it starts in chapter 13, verse 13. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can either listen, or you can, in the benches in front of you, grab one. I'm reading out of the New International Version this morning, and because verse 13 is filled with all sorts of words and names of places that I'm going to slaughter, we'll now take a moment of silence for you to read that quietly to yourself, so I don't embarrass myself. Verse 13. And then comes 14. Thank you very much. Uh, From Perga, they went on to Poseidon, Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. Now the they, just to put a pause on this, is uh, Paul, is Barnabas. uh, There's a few others that are with him. And so they're kind of on this missionary journey together. So they've sat down on the Saturday in the Sabbath in the synagogue. And verse 15 continues, after the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to Paul and his friends saying, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. So standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, men of Israel, and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers and he made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power and led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for 40 years in the desert. He overthrew 7 nations in Canaan and he gave their land to his people as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. Just a little pause on that. This is the story of Moses leading the people out of Egypt into the promised land he's referring to we start back after this god gave them judges until the time of samuel the prophet and then the people asked for a king so he gave them saul of kish of the tribe of benjamin who ruled 40 years and after removing saul he made david their king he testified concerning him i have found david son of jesse a man after my own heart He will do everything I want him to do. Now from this man, descendants, God has brought Israel, the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And as John was completing his work, he said, Who who do you think I am? I am not that one. No, but he's coming after me. Sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And then Paul continues, Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that they read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper grounds for his death sentence, they asked Pilate to have Jesus executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days after, he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now our witnesses to the people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our forefathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it's written in the second psalm. You are my son. Today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead. Never to decay. Is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessing. Promised to David. And it's stated elsewhere. You will not let your holy one. See decay. For when David had served God's purposes. In his own generation. He fell asleep. He was buried with his father's, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. It's proclaimed to you. Do you ever have that part where you lose your place when you're reading publicly? I'm just experiencing it right now. Da-da-da-da, elevator music for a moment. My apologies. Oh yeah, here we are, verse 39. Through him, Jesus, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that the prophets and what they have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am gonna do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. And as Paul and Barnabas, as they were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. And Pastor Paul will get to that in a couple of weeks. Long, long bit of scripture today. Long sermon to read through. But it's exciting to me of what they're saying. And I think it's exciting to anyone who hears it. They're connecting to this this congregation of Jews and God-fearing Gentiles meeting on this Saturday in the synagogue. They read the, the prophets, they read the laws, and they invite visitors to come to the front and give a word of encouragement. And Paul and Barnabas get there and they say, look, here's your history. Moses led the people of Israel, God's chosen people, out and rescued them from Egypt. He established them in the land. He established judges over them. He established kings over them. And then he sent the judge of all judges, the king of all kings, he sent his son Jesus into history to make right what the law of Moses highlighted as our sins. Should not steal. Should not covet should not lust over your neighbor's wife, should not lie, should not murder. These 10 commandments, they highlighted the sin of our life. And now Jesus has come to rescue us from our sin. It was promised all the way back that a root from Jesse, a descendant of David, King David, would become the Messiah. And now Jesus is here. He's walked on the scene. He's taken the death penalty for sin. So that we don't have to. And in doing that has given you and I, Israel's and, and God-fearing or Jews and God-fearing Gentiles new life. New life and relationship with God that we could never have had before because of that sin problem before us. So Paul lays this all out for him. That's his message of encouragement to the church that's gathered in this synagogue. And uh, we'll see what the 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 rollout the next weekend is uh, when Paul speaks to us in a couple of weeks. Uh, There's a few things that as I've been reading and thinking on this the last few weeks that I've noticed. And and maybe it'll be encouragement to you as I share this morning. I hope it will be. And the first one is something that I kind of harped on and pushed on and highlighted in the last message I got to preach just a few months ago. And it's interesting to me, it happens again here. It's a regular practice of the disciples, of the followers of Jesus in the early church. And therefore, for you and I, I think it should be the same. And it's this. As soon as Paul and Barnabas came into a new city, into a new community, one of the first things that they did was they connected with the body of believers. They connected immediately. They went to the synagogue right away. Now, in this case, this is a lot of people who hadn't heard the good news yet, but they're moving there. And they connected in with the people of God. And even earlier this week, uh, and I have to have these conversations uh, with young adults and youth, because that's my main area of responsibility in, in our church. I have these conversations about people who are excited and really like Jesus. They're excited about Jesus, they like Jesus. They, they like the Bible, and, and what it teaches is about God and Christ. But they have a real church. I was talking to a young adult uh, or a high school student earlier this, this week who's been around the area and doing different work in, in the province this last little while. And he said, you know, I talked to a lot of people, a lot of people this summer who love Jesus and love the Bible but don't particularly like the church. They're not into this institutional religion. And all the, they say they call it politics church, and all the ups and downs. and you know, We just want Jesus. And, and I listened, and, and we, we chatted about this. And even this last week, there's been verses that I've revisited again, and encouraging this teen with, as I talked. And maybe it'll be encouragement to you that the idea of gathering together and connecting into community is not something we just do. But it's something that we've been modeled to do by both Jesus and encouraged to do by the Word of God. Um, One of the verses that just stuck out in conversation with uh, this person was from Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 25. Uh, and And it says this, the writer of Hebrews says this, he says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. It's important to be continually meeting together as believers. If nothing else, for encouragement. I find it interesting that the thing they were looking for was Paul and Barnabas, as they invited them to consider speaking out that morning, was, do you have a word that will encourage us? I don't know about you, but often when I come together on a Sunday morning with other believers, one of the things I walk away with is encouragement. When I'm feeling lonely and isolated in my faith, I have the choice to come and connect with a body of believers that removes me from isolation and loneliness. They're people who share my story, a story of God at work in me. And I come away encouraged. Uh, between services, and I don't know if you even knew, if you're somebody who kind of skims in at the last moment before the 1030 service starts, I don't know if you knew that between the morning service, there's this thing in connections where there's just literally dozens and dozens of people who grab a coffee or a drink and they sit down around tables and they just visit and they encourage one another and they talk about life and God and culture. Sometimes I watch in there and, or I'm in there and looking and they're praying for one another. It's community happening. And so whether it's around tables or whether it's in the gathered body here, there's an encouragement for us as we come together when we feel isolated. Uh, there's encouragement for us, when, for us when our faith is weak. And I hope this morning as you hear the word or if somebody connects with you in the foyer and maybe just prays with you through right on the spot or speaks some words of encouragement with you, when your faith is feeling weak, you walk away with this sense of, I've heard from God. I know there's hope. Yes, I can make it through another day Uh, and you're encouraged i hope in not only uh, from being isolated not only for feeling weak in the faith but you're encouraged that god is doing something amongst his people in this place summer holidays were spread all over the place as we journey and my hope is that if this isn't something that you're making a commitment to being every week because you're gone you can connect with the church somewhere else when you're gone because it's just encouragement as some are in the habit of walking away from that, the word of God encourages us to connect the community. It doesn't only encourage us to do that, but Jesus models it himself. Uh, Another verse to talk about with my teenage friend was Luke 4, verse uh, 13. And it says this of Jesus. It says, Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Another translation says, as he was in the habit of doing. Jesus figured connecting with the body of Christ, connecting with the people of God, in his specific case, was of incredible importance. So much so, that it was just his norm. It was his habit. Sometimes habit and religion, if it's done for the end in itself, It's cold and dogmatic and ritualistic and yet in the people of God, as people of faith, we don't do that as an end of itself. We do that as a means to an end. Let me explain. We practice prayer. We practice reading the word of God and meditating on it. We practice fasting. We practice giving and serving and generosity and attending community gatherings, church gatherings, because it's a spiritual discipline that moves us closer to God and his people as part of a body of Christ. It's something Jesus understood as being an essential part of following God. Um, I could go back to Genesis chapter 1, where it talks about the fact that in the beginning God created heaven and the earth. And we know God to be revealed in three distinct personalities. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. A little bit later when he's creating humanity, in chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, let us make people in our own image. And he uses that plural word. There are three distinct personalities in the Godhead, we call it the Trinity, who are in such perfect relationship with one another, they're one. And in the same way, our gathering together is a picture of that unity and diversity. Distinct people who come together in perfect relationship and are one in the body of Christ. And Jesus understood that, and so he made it a habit. And so perhaps today, if you're not in the habit or the practice of regularly connecting with the body of Christ in a way where you find encouragement from isolation, encouragement in your faith, encouragement in seeing what God's doing amongst the people, that that's something maybe that you say, after this morning, I'm going to begin to connect to community in a more purposeful way. Imagine the impact that could have in your life and in the lives of people you get to then speak into. Whether it's through starting to come between services to meaningfully connect. Whether it's gathering in a growth group every week and committing yourself to that this fall. Whether it's ladies getting involved in women's Bible study. Someplace to be known. Really known. And then be able to minister to others. Brilliant biblical, and being modeled in the early church. I just continue to read in Acts 13. And and the second thing I see, and I've seen it all through Acts and we've been journeying through it, is the, res- the first 13 chapters for sure in the book of Acts, every instance where the gospel message is proclaimed, it's requested. There's an invitation to share, or a question that's either stated explicitly in Scripture or implied by context, that the speaker who then shares the message of the cross is replying to. There's places it happens later on in Acts where guys like Paul will walk onto Mars Hill in chapter 17, that'll come up in a few months here, and just begin to speak to the groups of philosophers who are there, giving reference to a, 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 a... monument to an unknown god he just nobody asks him anything he just walks in and starts preaching but for the first 13 chapters of acts no declaration or proclamation of the gospel message ever happens without a question there is a power to questions quick survey of them some of them are listed there in your notes acts chapter 2 verse 12 uh, the holy spirit has just Come upon the people of God for the first time. Tongues of fire going on. And they start talking in different languages. And people are starting to hear them talk in different languages. And they're looking at one another. And they're saying in verse 12 of chapter 2. Amazed and perplexed. What does all this mean? What's going on? And then a few other people look around wondering. Asking the question out loud. Maybe they've had too much wine to drink. A little tipsy, and they're kind of slurring their words, and they sound like other languages. What's going on is the question that's being asked, and Peter then answers that question and begins to proclaim the gospel. And in response to that, just a few verses later, in verse 37, the people who hear now him talking about the message of the cross, the same one that Paul speaks out to this group in the synagogue in Acts 13, they say, What are we going to do about this message? In essence, they're saying, what's the next step? And then Peter says to them, he says, repent. He replied, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive a gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for those who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And so God is stirring up these questions in our soul to be asked, and then we begin to reply to them. And this is modeled throughout Acts, so we could jump again into chapter 3, verse 11, where a crippled man has been healed in response to a question. Peter, John, can I have some money? He's begging. And in response to that question that's implied they speak the truth to him, minister to him, and he's healed from being a cripple. And the people see what's going on and basically say what's happened. And then Peter speaks at the Solomon's colonnade to them. Uh, we continue, Acts 4, 7. Uh, Peter and John are before the, the leaders, religious leaders. And they say to him, by what power did you do this healing on this crippled man? And then they get to preach in response to a question that's asked them. It continues in Acts 7, verse 1, where Stephen's been brought before the leaders to account for what he's been um, saying. And they ask him, are these charges true? And he then speaks to the charges and preaches. The next time we see a sermon happening is Philip, a follower of God, who goes to someone and instead of that person asking a question, Philip asks the question, the power of a question. Do you understand what you are reading? This Ethiopian is in a chariot and he's traveling and he's reading from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Bible. And Philip comes up and says, do you understand that? And then an invitation comes from the man and he says, come sit with me and explain it to me. And it's explained. The power of a question. And so Paul and Barnabas find themselves and the question comes, do you have something to encourage us with, brothers? Come speak. And they speak on the platform given to them. I've been thinking a lot about the power of a question. There are two questions that I want to encourage you to begin interacting with. As we're called to spread the gospel. As we're called to share the message of the cross. And maybe you're like, okay, this is going to be a sermon on evangelism. You're right. Okay, you go home, find a gold star, stick it old star you're right uh, it is a message on evangelism sharing the message of the cross with people as we interact with them but it's the power of a question in the midst of sharing the message of the cross and the first question i would challenge you to begin to ask is to the lord god would you put me this week this day perhaps in a situation where someone asks me a question, would you prepare their heart? Would you roll up in them a curiosity that just can't help but coming out in the form of a question so that I can respond to it and share the message of the cross, the hope that I have. At work, why are you also why are you always so joyful? <clears throat> An opportunity to share the, the joy that is in Christ. Not always happy, happy. There's times of sadness, but in it, there's something deep that's joy. To share that. Why in the midst of this situation are you hopeful? Ah, I can now share the message of hope in Christ. Why are you, and, and the question, the why questions. All the time. Why don't you ever come to our sports games on Sunday mornings? There's my opportunity. God, would you stir up? Questions in people, and put me in a place of answering them. Down at the beach a couple Saturday nights ago, um, just spending some time in prayer, sitting in front of the beach club on one of the logs on, the, on on the sand, and and the sunset has kind of happened; it's gone down, and now it's it's dark, and, and I'm literally saying that prayer to the Lord. Lord, would you tonight or tomorrow, in the next couple of days, once again put me in a situation where somebody asks me a question, so that I can share with them the message of the cross. Immediately, a guy walks up to me and asks me a question. Have you seen my phone? Okay. Guy has been putting back the bottles earlier that night. You can just waffling them. Have you seen my phone? I'm sitting in the pitch black on the beach. No. Have you tried calling it? That's an amazing idea. So I got a phone right here. Pulled it out. And uh, he let me know his number. It took us a couple of tries to get it. And not five feet away, boom, phone lights up. Dude's excited. And he's letting me know in all sorts of colorful creative language. Even mentions Jesus in his excitement probably not in the type of context that I'm talking to Jesus, <laughs> but boom, he says, Jesus Christ, I found my phone. And I said, dude, maybe he was in on it. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah. And this started a conversation about spiritual things. And, uh, I didn't really just, I just felt, just ask some questions. Just asked some questions. Never told him anything about me. Didn't tell him anything about Jesus. Just asked some questions. What do you think about God? What do you think about the possibility that Jesus may have helped you find this? What do you think about? What do you think about? What do you do for a living? What's your name? What's the, and we just, I just asked questions. That's all I did. And then the conversation was done. I asked then to the Lord again, God, what was that for? What was this about? And the Holy Spirit just very clearly said, hello. It was to engage him in a conversation. I was like, yeah, but I just, I mean, we didn't really move it along. I'll trust that you'll do something else with it. He's like, what are you talking about? You got the guy's phone number. Text him. So we just started texting. I've been hanging out at starbucks talking about conversations we've been having a great time talking about the bible and jesus um, and all i've been doing is asking questions a question to the lord would you set me up today and this is a question you can ask in a situation where i just get to share the hope that i have the joy that i have the message of the cross and you're not in a hurry you're just asking questions of people what do you think about you ever wonder if Just asking questions. And that's the second part. Ask questions of the Lord. Ask questions of others. Pick people's brains. It's not about trying to shove. And and evangelism gets a bad rap because of this. Shoving religion down my throat. I'm just asking questions and listening. To you and the Spirit. At the same time. And it takes practice. But it's fun. And you get to meet all sorts of incredible people. In the meantime, and, and, uh, and there's tools to help you do this kind of stuff. In a second, I'm going to give you one. But there's others. Uh, one of the ones I love, I just have a bunch of these in my office. Uh, I ordered them online. They were free. I like free things. Uh, and it's just some of you used to use, way back in the day, you used to use these things called tracks, and they were kind of photocopied messages about the cross. Man, they've got sweet-looking, beautiful, well-put-together things these days that just tell the story of God. And, and And it talks about creation, how God has put His fingerprints in our heart and into our soul, created this craving to look for him. It talks about the fall, it talks about the rescue promises of Christ. It talks about what happens when Christ rescues us. It, what now throws them to a website with videos and in today 's age, as I sat at Starbucks talking to my new friend the uh, last few days, I can just say, "Guy, just on your phone, just download this app called the story Is it." How much is it? It's free. Oh, okay. I like free things. Boom. And he's got it now on his phone. And he can just kind of go through it and and listen to videos about it. There are so many creative ways to share. It's so fun. Uh, Students in youth ministry and uh, over the last few years, I I am saying this all the time. I just want to leave this with you as kind of a tool to put in your belt, uh, to use, to ask questions of people. And, and and to share the hope that you have. Uh, and so if if you're filling out notes, the first one was connecting with community. Uh, and, and that, can I, can I just say about that connecting with community, that provides you a cheerleading squad. I have a, a growth group that I'm a part of. And they pray for me, and they're there for me, and they're cheering me on. I get to hear their stories and celebrate with them. They get to hear my stories and celebrate with me. I mean, there's something about community that is so good and sets us up for walking into this missional life that we have. Power of a question. It's all over the book of Acts, the beginnings of the church. And the third is, well, then what do I speak? There's just four things that are going to pop up behind me. The first one is um, just to let people know that God's interested. Did you know God's interested in your life? What do you mean? Well, do you know that Psalm 139 talks about the fact that God's knit us together in our mother's womb. He knew us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And it's all in the form of questions, right? Did you know? What do you think about that idea? So you're just asking people questions. God's interested. And, And more than that, God's stepped in and got involved. And so it's talking about God's interest and then God's involvement. Jesus has stepped in. God has stepped into history. Becoming a human being, a man, to model to us not only what life looks in relationship with God. And that's why we just dig into books like Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, these, these, these bio books about Jesus' life. But also to take the penalty of sin upon himself, the broken relationship, the sin problem, to fix it. God's interested and he's become involved. And he wants to have an impact in your life. God's got a desire to impact your life. He wants to change you. He wants to bring you along. Uh, I didn't prep the reference on this, and so I don't have it off the top of my head, but I was just reading the other day, and man, if I can't remember it off the top of my head, and that's a shame, but it talks about the fact that, that when the message of the cross is proclaimed, it brings times of refreshing to those who embrace it. I love that. God wants to impact our lives. His glory. And then he wants to involve us in ministering to others. God's interested. God's become involved. God's interested in impacting our eternal destinies, beginning right now. And God is inviting us to impact others. Uh, Our mission statement as a church is making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who choose to impact their world. And this is living it out. Life on mission, across the street, around the world. Um, My hope today is that you'll have some fun with this this next week. The Bible is just filled with massive amounts of just practical stuff. And this message from Paul to the people, today is one of them. Connecting God to their history as a people. Seeing how their story and God's story connects. Talking about the specifics of Jesus' forgiveness. And, and setting them up for asking more. Um, God's in the move in the midst of this room, in the midst of this community, in the midst of our world. And it's exciting to be in on that adventure. Going wherever the spirit of God would cause us to go. Being ready to experience it all. What a blast. Uh, worship team, would you join me? And uh, I just want to pray for you that's okay, this morning, that God would set you up with some divine appointments. God knows you. He knows how he's wired you. He, he knows uh, uh, how much or how little he needs to throw you into this week. But my prayer is that he would begin to throw you into something this week where you could begin to practice this, planting these little seeds. Will call, God will cause them to grow. That's not on you. But just having fun with the Holy Spirit and sharing hope with those who you come across.